Now, I want you to go to uh, Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, and I want you to hold it there, and we'll have it on the screen if you don't have anything to look it up with. But uh, we opened up last week in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. The word is telling me that there is a time for everything. I don't know how many parents have used that with your children a lot where they want something and say there's a time, right, for everything. Or you may be in a season, just know that God is saying there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. My, my father shared something that he read last week that blessed his life where he said it's a new year but the same God. Amen. It's a new year, but the same God. And last Sunday, we released what we are believing for in this year for our city, for our church, for our homes, and for our lives. We read out of Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3, where it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We said, Revive, that this year we are believing not just for our church family, but I'm believing for the global church that this is the year of expansion. Amen. Amen. And you know what's, what's, what's beautiful about a word expansion and what's dangerous about a word expansion, especially in the church world, because uh, as, as my parents and I and our family have gotten together to really say, Lord, what is it that you have? And we, we, you know, we, we can get a theme word to be cool because a lot of churches do that, but, but really we wanted to target, put a target, right? Because we're believing that we are revived, a place where hope is revived, where the joy and the Holy Spirit is revived in people's lives. But, but we wanted a target for this year of, Lord, what are we really believing? for, right? And when you take a word like expansion, a lot of times you can look at that word if you've grown up in church as something that's personal to you. And I want you to take it personal where it's like, Lord, if, if, if you were here in our first Wednesday service this past week, where we were saying, you know, Lord, uh, expand my favor, expand my bank account. No, I'm not, that's not our focus this year. I'm believing that God is calling us to expand our capacity to think, believe, and faith, to, to expand something within us that ultimately expands the kingdom of God, to expand the fruits of the spirit within our lives that they begin to mature intentionally so people start seeing vividly the hope and love of Jesus in each one of us. When we ask for expansion, we're not just believing for something personal. We're saying, God, not only will you grow the church, you're growing the global church. As we've said that upon this rock, right, the word says, I will build my church and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades or whatever version you've read will not prevail against it. What we're believing for is that in this year, 2024, we're believing firmly, boldly, with un no shame and unapologetic that God will expand his church, that God will expand his kingdom, that God will expand our belief and our faith. So divine expansion means God is making room for you to become bigger. It refers to growth, increase, 
enlargement, but divine expansion is when God intervenes and brings about growth, enlargement, and increase in someone's life, in someone's family, in their ministry, in their business, or in their career. It's when God steps in, he brings the growth. And that's what I'm believing for this year as we're, as we're making goals and, 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 and proclamations and declarations and, and promises and, and we're believing and we're, we're making uh, New Year's resolutions and, and different things like that. I hope that one top priority on your list is saying, I want to put God first this year. To say, Lord, in order for you to expand me, oh my God, I got to expand my heart for you. I have to give all of me to you. I have to make you Lord of my life. Now let's go to Numbers. Numbers. I want to read a, a story that, that, that you guys may be familiar or not, but Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to skip through a couple of verses, but verse 1 and 2 says, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And then it says, these are their names. I'm going to read their names, but skip to verse 17. Verse 17, it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? Verse 20. How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe of grapes. Now, now skip to verse 26, 26. Now they come back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here it is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. If you're taking notes today, we're continuing talking about expansion this month. But the title of my talk today is called Faith is a Choice. Write that down. Faith is a choice. Faith 
is a choice. So, Father, we come to you once again, Lord, and we separate this time, Lord, intentionally to hear your word. And, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, that we're able to open our minds, Lord, open our hearts, Lord, to what it is that you're going to speak today. And, Father, I just ask that you use me as an instrument, as a tool, Lord, that it be about you and your glory, Lord, less of me, more of you, Lord, that all that I say, Lord, be pointing towards you and your glory. In Jesus' name, we choose faith. Amen. Amen. Now, this past Friday, uh, we had our first small groups of the year. Can we give it up for our small groups, right? It's so awesome. And uh, I I had the honor to visit the Davenport's first small group, and it was their first small group that they were launching as leaders. uh, Terrell and Chanel, y'all are so amazing. Where y'all at? Just wave at me right there. Can we give it up for them? They're so awesome. And so, um, and it was such a divine time together, right? It was a beautiful moment when they asked a series of questions about the mindsets that we have held on to or held from God. And they were talking about expansion and and collectively each person that was there in their own personal way was expressing how they are believing beyond their limitations and their reality to expand their trust in God for the unknown. And it got real vulnerable with people sharing their areas of their lives that they haven't fully surrendered to God and how they intend to lay them aside this year and and, and for for what God wants in their lives. See, we read from from Isaiah 54, verse 2 through 3, but the chapter starts with a powerful reality and a declaration from God to Israel and a promise that continues in verse 4. And before I read that, I was just so amazed about what God did on Friday night because the intentionality of small groups is for people to come together, to be able to be themselves and free in such an intimate environment and really not feel judged and and really just find out what truly it is to be the house of of God outside of a house. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? And God brought healing that night. There was salvation. Someone gave their life to Christ that night. This all happened in a small group. And a lot of times, you know, I I was amazed where where I was hearing the testimonies of other small groups that were happening in our our city of what God was doing. There was dream boards that were being written. There was people that were believing for expansion and putting a, a reality forward. Can I tell you that we cannot do life alone, that community is important. And so I want to encourage you that this year to get involved into a small group group. And a lot of us, we may feel alone. We may feel a little bit out of it. And there's something that happens when we come together. There's something that begins to happen. And and, and the pressure that I have as a pastor going into a small group a lot of times is that the leader is like, oh God, pastor's in the room, right? You know, and I'm just like, no, 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 because they're they're talking about what I'm preaching about. So like I, I have already the notes like in my phone, you know, like I sound what I, like I know what I'm talking about in the moment. I don't know. I just want to hear what they have to say. But sometimes I can't contain myself and I have to chime in and I want to be a part of it. And I loved it to be a part of something that I felt I was equal with everybody. And that's what happens in small groups. It's amazing. What were you doing Friday night? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But we read from Isaiah 54, 2 through 3, and it says the chapter starts with this powerful reality. And I love it because Terrell brought it, and I read it in preparation, but, but it was like a point made. We, we just read, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide, right? But in verse 1, it says, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout 
for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. I was like, oh my God. Then it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And it says in verse 4, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. I don't know if that blesses somebody just reading the scripture where it's saying, you who have suffered much, you who have not seen what you've desired, you who have not seen the miracle happen yet, it says get ready start stretching your tent enlarge and strengthen your stakes don't hold back don't be afraid because what I'm about to do is going to blow your mind there's something that happens when I choose to have faith because I maybe didn't give birth to something God is saying I've been preparing you I've been molding you I've been pruning you I've been doing certain things in your life that you have not expected or even realized is something that's preparing you for expansion he says you maybe didn't give birth but who knows there's ministries that are brewing and growing right now in people's bellies that will be given birth to in this year there's visions there's callings there's miracles there's businesses there's things that God has called you to do and it says do not be afraid you got to enlarge your place because what I'm about to pour out does not fit in your mind right now Faith is a choice. I could choose to believe and get hyped for the beginning of the year like everybody at the gym right now. But what about in February? What about in March? What about in April? What about in May? Will I still be strong throughout the middle of the year? Is this going to be the year where I choose and hold on to faith? Where I choose and stay grounded in faith? Where I choose and believe that God will do it in this year? You can look at me and say, ah, that's just the thought process of just, you know, you believe and you will see it. I'm believing for certain things. I'm believing it. And God is saying it's time to do something. He's told, he gave specific instructions to the Israelites where he's saying, I need you to enlarge something, meaning it takes action on your part. It's not just believing and sitting down. It's believing and moving. It's but faith without works is what? It requires you to move, meaning I can't just believe for the job if I'm not applying for a job. I just can't believe to lose weight if I'm not trying to eat healthier. I can't just believe for certain things and I'm not doing nothing about it. This is the year where your faith has to take one foot and move it in front of another foot. This is the year where my faith has to say, Lord, if I want expansion in my life, then I have to actually expand myself and not just sit back and wait for it. I'm not just going to wait for it. See, God wants to see your life advance. 
He wants to give you divine expansion. God has plans to bless you in all the areas of your life. See, you may have faced a delay in 2023. Nothing much has changed for you. But God reminds us that he will revive and bring us back to a place of advancement, a place of power, blessing, and prosperity. He says, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has as a husband, says the Lord, meaning if I'm still sick, I'm going to shout for joy. If I still haven't seen it happen yet, I'm going to give God praise. If I haven't seen whatever it may be, the door hasn't opened. God is saying, begin to praise because the miracle is on its way. Faith is a choice. Faith is saying, I'm going to sing and worship God, though my doctor's report still says otherwise. I'm going to sing and worship God, though my kids want nothing to do with God or church. I'm going to sing and worship otherwise, no matter what. I had a moment today. I got a motion. I shared on my social media of my daughter worshiping here, and she was dancing. She's, uh, she was assigned to do that, meaning she was on schedule to be here. But there was something beautiful that happened in that moment as I'm watching her. Is She's crying and worshiping God while doing it in her dance. And, I'm, and I was thinking to myself as I'm looking at that, saying, Those are prayers answered. For a moment, when my daughter was like 12, 13, 14, in a, this generation that wants nothing to do with God, in this generation that questions everything about God, in this generation that criticizes everything about God, in this where, where it's the most liberal thought mindsets that are out today, uh, do y'all want to serve in youth? Because this is not an easy group of people to minister to, but they are the most creative. They are some of the most powerful. They are some of the most called young people that, that can do something. They can take a cup that is really worth $10 and get it sold for $300 that's named Stanley. What I'm saying is that this is the generation that can take something and push it in a way that no one else was able to do before them. And the beautiful thing about this is I'm looking to myself in this moment saying, oh my God, for me, when I declare as for me in my house, we will worship the Lord, meaning my kids have no choice but to come to church while they're in my house. In this generation, that's called child abuse. Because you're removing their power and you're removing their way of thinking. Let them choose from themselves at three years old. For me, that's how I was raised. Now, I'm not saying like we're grabbing them by the hair and saying, you're coming to church. I'm not saying all that. There's going to be give and take. There's going to be moments. There's going to be times where you're going to have to, uh, what's it called? Uh, 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 compromise, right? But what I'm saying in this is that while you're in my house, right, Jelani? I said, you have no choice but to come to church with me. Now, not every family operates that way, and, and that's okay. Because some of you are like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm texting them right now. You got 10 minutes to get to church now. No, no. What I'm saying is that I lost, or it's being lost, the, 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 the culture and the tradition of families coming to church together. Yeah. Now it's a choice. Sorry, I'm preaching opinion right now. Okay, just so y'all don't. It's been lost. You, you don't want to come? Okay, love you. And they're on their phone all day. Getting preached by other people. And you're like, but they're not even listening. They are. They're hearing what we're saying. They're hearing what you're saying at home. They're listening. They see your actions at home. They see how you treat them at home. 
they see how you treat other people outside of home. And that makes a major difference on how they see God in church. I'm not a perfect parent, so as I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm, I start crying because I was like, Lord, those moments when she was 13, 14, 15, when I questioned God, is she even going to follow you? Because she wants nothing to do with this. And she's there worshiping, crying. Now, you may look like, that's not fair, PA, because you're, you, you're a pastor. You have the, the pressure to be pastor and a pastor's kid is immeasurable. It, it's, it's intense. The pressure that my kids have to face just because of who I am. Y'all know it, the PKs, sometimes some of the worst people in the world. I was a PK. I remember my dad preaching and we were in, in, a, in a Catholic style church and I was like 12 in the top of the bank thing, opening up the wines. <laughs> and dad's preaching, I'm just like. <laughs> Talk about that PK, right? I was the PK that was like, hey, girl, there's this room. <laughs> Let me pray for you. <laughs> Terrible, right? God saved me. <laughs> what I'm saying is that God wants to see us advance. And it starts with our actions today. Something my dad said in the first service that was powerful was saying, your actions today will impact your legacy, meaning your actions today impact your grandchildren. Could it be that you were the one that says, I accept Christ and I make him Lord and Savior of my life. And it changes the trajectory of an entire family that's just been divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce and say, no, 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 no. I'm believing in you, God. I'm, I'm baking you Lord of my life. I'm following you. I'm a believer of who you are and changing what looked like curse to an actual blessing. Some of us were selfish. You're like, nah, I'm, I'm going to wait till I fix this or I'm going to wait till other. You're not going to fix anything. How is it going? Is it working out for you? It's not going to until you wholeheartedly surrender your life to God and say, Lord, I'm here. Take all of me. That's when things change. That's when things change. See, Psalms 100 verse 3 says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we belong to him. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In the message transla translation, it says, know this, God is God and God, God, he made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. See, unfortunately, the path that takes us to the promise is always wrought with thickets and thorns. Nothing worth having ever comes easy or without opposition. Storms will come, lions will roar, and our fears will be confronted. See, God allows the path to be difficult because he intends on refining us and preparing us for our place of promise. He is intent on extracting from us that which our enemy would love to leverage against us. See, God loves us too much to promote us before we are ready. So he gives us four orders to prepare for expansion. So we covered last week in detail. If you, didn't, you weren't here last week or, or, or you wanted to check it out, you're here for the first time, you can go to our YouTube and, and pull up last week's message. But we covered last week that the first one in Isaiah 54, verse 2, is enlarge and stretch. Right? See, Caleb and Joshua saw a place of enlargement before them, but the rest shrunk back and stayed small. 
Caleb and Joshua believed it could be done, but the rest said they were afraid to try and remain small-minded. To enlarge and to stretch is to make room for God to do the impossible. The second one is, the second order is don't hold back. To the level that you are willing to die to self and give yourself completely over to God will be the level that you experience God's greater grace in this season. Do not hold back involves overcoming fear. There are times when we need to do things that make us afraid and break the hold that it has over us. The third order is lengthen your cords. You must extend the domains of your reach. Don't continue working just a small territory. It's time to cover more, reach more people with the message. It is time to better condition the space to be effective. And the fourth order is, he says, strengthen your stakes. See, strengthen involves the development of character which enables us to deal with the things that come. If we are not strong on the inside, you, we will be moved from our path when trials come. This year, you cannot be easily moved by emotion, circumstance, and temporary truths. Don't trust in your changing emotions and circumstances. Trust in your God who never changes. So look at what verse 10 says in Isaiah 54. He continues, He says, though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So I go back to saying God loves us too much to promote us before we are ready. And and so as we follow his lead, we will at different times find ourselves in a valley, a valley of decisions. And in that valley of decisions, there's marriages that die there. There's dreams that die there too. And the flesh dies hard. And unfortunately for many, they've opted to let their dream die before they'd ever allow their flesh to be confronted. So we all have weak spots and areas of inconsistency in our character. And until we see Jesus face to face, we will need his guidance and correction. He wants to take us from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he wants to do abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But there's a clincher in this verse. It's according to his work within us. See, I've learned that to the extent that he's allowed to work in you, will be the extent that he does great things through you. To the extent that he's allowed to work in us will be the extent that he does great things through us. And after pondering this idea a little more, I envisioned a valley of dry bones. Bones from marriages, from relationships, and dreams that were abandoned because many people refused to die to themselves, to humble themselves, and to let God have his way in their lives. Come on, tell yourself this, not your neighbor, yourself. Don't let your dream die in the valley. Don't let your dream die in the valley. See, if you're in a season of refining, lean in. 
Trust the loving hand of your precious Savior and know that he will lead you to the other side. Refuse a sense of entitlement and don't demand to be understood. Instead, humble yourself and seek to understand what the Lord is doing around you. He will faithfully lead you and you'll be strengthened as you go. See, in Numbers 13, Moses sent 12 men in to spy out the promised land. And after 40 days, 10 of them came back and said, Moses, we don't have a chance. The cities are fortified and very large and the people are huge. They compared to them, we felt, or compared to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Notice how they are speaking. They're saying, I am weak. I am inferior, I am intimidated, I am afraid. What happened? Fear, intimidation, and inferiority came knocking at the door. How many have thought that when we believe for something like this for expansion, immediately you receive those thoughts like, it's not going to happen again this year. My cousin shared something that was hilarious on day two of January saying, I've already messed up. 2025, I'm waiting for you. I was like, it's day two. (laughs) Day two of this entire year, they were like, I already messed up. 2025, I'm waiting for you. 2025 going to be my year. (laughs) So glad you're listening to our podcast. And we're believing it'll bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, We will be so grateful, and you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. See, the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a different report. They said, Moses, yes, the people are big, but we know our God is much bigger. We are well able. Let us go in and take the land at once. See, Joshua and Caleb were unafraid. They were undaunted. They spoke opposite to the other spies. They said, I am strong. I am equipped. I am confident. I am more than a conqueror. See, divine expansion is the antidote to the stagnation and limitation that attack people's destinies. When the divine expansion takes place, the stars will arise and begin to shine. Caged destinies will be unleashed. Fallow grounds will be broken. Yokes will be destroyed. Captives will be set free. Territories will be possessed. And there will be revival, recovery, and restoration. God is going to expand our ability to believe him. Enlarge and stretch God is telling you, you will not be put to shame. You will spread to the left and to the right. You will extend your curtains for what the Lord is doing in your life. So Joshua and Caleb essentially said, don't look at where we are now. Look at the change that's coming. See, Revive in 2024, we must expand our capacity to believe. When we have a spirit of faith, God can help us to overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. See, the 12 spies returned from scouting the land of Canaan to report to Moses and and the people of Israel. And the people were all eager 
to know what they saw. God himself had led them up from Egypt. And finally, the moment of truth had arrived. They were literally just at the, at the, just neighbored to what God had promised for generation after generation. They're looking at the promise. Where they were in slavery, they were freed. Pharaoh came after them. They split the Red Sea. All these moments of God's greatness and miracle power had led them to this point. And Moses says, go and scope the land. Go and scope what God promised was ours. And his parting words in the New King James Version says, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. It's funny how it says 40 days passed. And because of the negative report, they ended up circling for 40 years. It took 40 days to go spy it, but it actually took 40 years before they occupied it. That's something to play on numbers there. It's just phenomenal. It's like intentional. It was like he was foreshadowing what's to come. And here they are carrying a bunch of grapes so large that two men had to carry it between them. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And excitingly, the people gather around to see for themselves. Everyone wanted to have a share of the fruit. See, in the new covenant, we have also been told to take a promised land. As Christians, we have the greatest and most precious promises. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, the fruit of this land are the virtues and blessings we receive the love the joy patience goodness and peace who doesn't want those things but the Israelites rejoicing didn't last long and the spies had also encountered the inhabitants of the land strong people dwelling in fortified cities their report was dismal they said the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Did you know that a negative report from the 10 spies spread like wildfire through the rest of the camp? And before long, 2 million people were intimidated and afraid. Nobody even paid attention to Joshua and Caleb's report of faith. See, a negative report always spreads faster than a positive report. Just go watch the news. Let's go look at social media. Talk to your friends. They'll be quick to tell you a gossip because it's negative. Did you hear? Right? When it's negative, it spreads like wildfire. When people are murmuring, complaining, and talking defeat, be on guard. Make sure you don't let the wrong response take root. The people were so distressed by the negative report that they complained against Moses and Aaron. 
Don't ever say I am weak. I'm intimidated. I'm inferior. The wrong attitude can keep you from your destiny. You know, I, I, I was, uh, yesterday it was so funny. We were getting our stuff ready for this morning. So we're ironing and I go ahead and I'm showering. And I remember Maria had already put Jovan to bed, my three-year-old. And so all of a sudden the bathroom door like slams open. He's like, hey, daddy. I was like, he doesn't look tired at all. You know, just... He's like, Poppy, Poppy, Poppy. He jumps up on the tub. He's like, this, Poppy, I want to take a bath. I want to take a shower now. Like, I want to do it with you. Let's go. And I was like, aren't you? I was like, Marie, Marie. Like, you know, I know, I, know, I know he got put in bed. You know what I'm saying? And Marie was laying down already. Like, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go. She's, I already know he's in, in bed. And he's like, woo. And he's on the thing. And he's like, like what did, did you eat candy? Like, what did, he's jumping off the tub, landing into the thing. He's like, oh, and I'm like, you're going to fall. Like, you know, he's grabbing stuff. And he's all with the shirt. Like, woo. And I'm like. It's 1030, like, you know, I'm 40, I'm too old for this. I'm looking at him like, it's all day now. He turned three in December and we're just like, oh God. And I'm going, Bob, what, aren't you supposed to be in bed? He's like, nope. Nope. And I was like, and then Maria comes in through the door. You're supposed to be in bed. What are you doing? What happened was Maria went upstairs real quick to talk to our other son for something. And so he snuck out of his room, ran downstairs, right? Jumped to the thing, tried to play it off. Like, I want to take a shower with you. So he could be like, look, I'm with daddy, you know. And I remember, I, I thought to myself, I was like, and Maria and I, it's like, we finally got him in bed. And we're, we both lay down. We're just like, <sighs> look at each other. We're exhausted. I'm exhausted. <sighs> oh, three kids. And you're like, I remember looking at like, I was like, yeah, it's like, get ready, Will. And I'm like, oh, tired. Like, we were tired. And in my mind, I'm thinking about tomorrow. I got to do this all day after this, this. I'm thinking this, this. And I'm just like, oh. and then he comes in again. Booge. He comes in with authority. He's like, booge. Mommy, I want goldfish. Just give him the goldfish. Just give him. Just give in. We don't care. You know, just, right? Go put him in his bed. I walk him up. He has his goldfish in a hand and water because he needs the water too. And so I go, he gets in the bed and, he's, and I'm like, lay down. He goes, no. He takes his pillow, lifts it up, puts it against the, the back of the, the board and sits back like this. I'm like, it's time for bed. Enough is enough. Right? And he's like, and I'm like who is this child God that you sent into my life unplanned unexpected we didn't want no children at 2020 some of y'all don't know the story he was a surprise in 2020 he was born December calculate nine months back we were in quarantine there's nothing else to do so we strengthened our marriage but here's the thing. I got a vasectomy four years before that. This is a miracle child. God was like, hey, y'all are not done. Boop. Here's a dollop. Enjoy that. 
And something that I said months ago, I remember preaching about this moment. I was saying, Lord, like this kid is like on another level of energy, another level of like talk back, another level of just, just overpowering, just strong character, strong will. And he's like, he lets you know. And he's like, come on, let's go. Like he's like telling you all these things. And he's very compassionate, very caring. Like he's to the extreme in everything. So when he cries, extreme. When he's happy, extreme, right? And I'm thinking, Lord, like, what? Like, obviously, as a pastor, as a preacher, like, Lord, you have a calling over my child's life, just like my other two children. You have a, a this and that. I, and I was reminded, I remember people came up to me after that message, and they were like, yo, PA, my granddaughter uh, was born in 2020. She's the same way. Then another person said, yeah, my kid was born in 2020. They're the same way. And another person came back in 2020, same way. And then this past couple weeks, right, Ryan, 2020, right, the kid is on another level, right? And so we're, we're coming up, and, and I remember going to, to, coming out, and this lady comes and shares with me. She goes, Pastor, I, I don't want you to take this wrong. I don't know if she's here, but, but she was like, she, I just want you to take this wrong, but uh, I felt like God gave a word, you know, uh, uh, like a year or two ago where God was saying that the children that were born in 2020 were the Caleb's of the future. And I was like, God had prophesied over my son and all my children's life of what they would be doing, and we don't force them into ministry. We want God to say, Lord, if it's something that you want, if not, go do it all in college. Go do it all in the workforce. Go do whatever it may be. It's not that this is my son's church after me. This church doesn't belong to me. And so I'm looking to myself. I'm going, because where, when they're 18 and 20, imagine how the world's going to be. And we need Caleb's that can stand in firm with boldness and to say, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. I don't care what law has been passed. I don't care what public opinion says. I don't care. There is a promise that God said from my grandfather and my great-grandfather, and I carry it inside of me. I was called to preach the gospel of truth in this time. And when public opinion will be at the utmost worst, where some of us in this room will deny Christ in the future because how tough it's going to be we need Caleb's that will stand up and say no I see a promise I know what God said I will worship my God out loud inside wherever it might be I believe in the word of God it is the truth the utmost truth it never fails it has been active it is alive it never fades away where are the Caleb's and Joshua's of this generation that are unafraid of public opinion and say, God, I serve you and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm already crying for my children when they turn 18, 19. All you got to do is go to social media and see how many people are against God. And here's the thing, it's not just people that don't believe in God. I said something last week that kind of went controversial on YouTube, and they're already commenting all over it, where I said I was, I, was, I was called out because I said the name of Jesus, and they said, stop calling him Jesus. His name is Yeshua. And I was like, we're getting called out now by our own people. Critical spirits that just call you out saying you're wrong and you're wrong. And God is saying, where is my love? Where is the fruit of the Spirit? Where are the people that love people no matter what? So I took that word from that lady. I said, my son is a Caleb. He needs to be a person that says no. Would you be a martyr for your faith? 
that's tough. It's easy to say yes until the gun's on your head. It's, it's easy to say yes. Yeah, I am until the gun's in your face. If Peter, who he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, denied Jesus, who was with him physically, who saw the miracles with his own eyes, and still denied him. If Judas, who was with Jesus as a disciple, rejected him and betrayed him, who are we? Do you remember reading in the scripture again about a name named Sether? How many heard of Sether? A man named Gadi or Gadi or Gadai? Or a man named Shapat? Anybody? No. You know why? They were listed among the 10 spies who brought the negative report. They also never made it to the promised land. The fact is they were called to be history makers, but they were daunted by what they saw. Don't let that be your destiny. You may be facing some major obstacles leading into this year. My challenge is for you to be a Joshua, is to be a Caleb. I am confident. I am equipped. I am more than a conqueror. I am well able. I will see expansion in my house, expansion in my faith, expansion in my family. I will see the come to pass in my spouse, come to pass in my children. I will not sway. I will not move away. I will see it because God promised it. See, the people of Israel sank into hopelessness and they wept the whole night. Had all their dreams come to this, had they really suffered so much hardship only to be thwarted at the very threshold of the promised land? Do you believe like Joshua and Caleb? It can often seem like that in our Christian lives as well. We give up our old life to follow Jesus with high hopes of a better life, but then our enemy, the sin in our nature, looms up large and threatening, seemingly impossible to overcome. We begin to feel that being a Christian costs too much, that it's too much work after all. Why doesn't God help us? God can't help those who don't want to believe he has too much respect for the free will he has given us in fact without faith it is impossible to please God and on the other hand he richly rewards those who diligently seek him go look up Hebrews eleven six. Joshua and Caleb two of the spies spoke up and as we read in Numbers 14 8 9 I close with this he says if the Lord is pleased with us he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I don't know what you're looking forward to in this year. What you're believing for. Thank you, son. You would have thought the people took heart remembering the promises God had made and the miracles they had seen him perform. But no, because of unbelief, when they came up against resistance, they would rather have stoned Joshua and Caleb, these men of faith, than take up a battle and fight for the promised land. I believe in this season of expansion, we're going to see who's real and who's not. Don't be surprised 
this thing's getting called out like crazy. It started in the comedy world, but there's just people getting called out like crazy. Some of y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, the people want real, they're tired of, they're tired of just the facade, they're tired of just the event-based ministries. They, they're tired of all, they just, they want real. I want, I want to feel, what, what's the real presence of God? What does it feel like? Things are coming out. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about no preachers, no pastors. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, don't be surprised that in this year of expansion, things are getting exposed like never before. Where God is saying, it's time for the remnant to rise. It's time for those that really love me, those who look for me in spirit and in truth. It's time for those that are in their closets, those that have been praying, those that have been on their knees, those that have been taking this for real and serious, those that have unshakable faith. It's time for those to rise. I'm removing all those. And what did God do? He says, he says for 40 years they wandered. For 40 years they wandered. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to step in to the promise, meaning all those that did not have belief have to die. Because where I'm taking this next season, I can't take people who don't want to believe. Where we're going, I need people that are firm. I need people that are strong. I need to create a culture and a system that when King Jehoshaphat in the future is in the promised land and the army starts surrounding him, he grabs the hold of the promise and says, I remember from what Joshua and Caleb spoke. I remember how far you brought us. And if you brought us this far, I remember how you delivered my people. You will deliver me. That had to be a lineage of Joshua and Caleb to say because we didn't give up my future won't give up because we didn't give up my legacy doesn't give up the choices I make today will always impact my tomorrow faith is a choice and if I don't choose to believe that's on you where we're going is where God has taken us and expansion is beginning to happen and God is saying I need belief I need people that are strong I need people to live out Romans 1 16 I need people to actually walk it out is God tugging at your heart today? Sorry if I yell. I grew up Pentecostal, so it's just this passion too. And love it. In the season of expansion, I'm done, I'm done. Faith is a choice. But then God stepped in. I love it. I love how it says then they take up a battle, fight, you know. Josh, Caleb, they, they marched 40 years. They're, they're mad. I could imagine, right, Dad, you were saying earlier how Joshua and Caleb, could you imagine 40 years walking, knowing the truth? And you're like, we got to go through all this because of y'all? Because of your unbelief? We got to go through all this? Like, we could already been over there. We could have already been over there. And because of your unbelief, who am I surrounding myself with? Who's our, who are voices in my life? Who are people that are keeping, I'm telling you right now, if you keep doing the same thing you were doing last year, the same results are going to happen this year. There's some people, I'm sorry, I love them, I'll pray for you from a distance, but I don't think you're good for my life anymore. I, I, I got to move forward, I'm going to pray for you, and I hope that you see the Jesus in me so that you start to be wanting to draw to what God has done in my life. I'm not just saying reject them and forget them like they're trash. No, no, what I'm saying is that am I putting God first in my life so that they start seeing the Jesus in me? Will you be that person this year that gets a DM that's saying, I don't know what it is that you're doing, 
Can I talk to you? Will you be the person that shares your testimony online and, and be bold about what God's done in your life? And someone's like, I had no idea you went through that and what God did in your life. Would you be the person that says, I'm, I'm stepping in and I'm, I'm going to start serving wholeheartedly? Will you be the person that says, I'm going to forgive those that hurt me in the church that hurt me? It's time to move on. Am I, am I going to be the person that says, I'm now going to start operating in my calling? Am I going to be a person that's going to now go above and beyond, not just bare minimum with the things that God's placed in my hands? Is this the year of expansion faith is a choice it's time to expand my ability to believe come on stand to your feet if you can please see by not believing him the people of Israel were in effect they were denying God's power and glory. His righteous anger was kindled against them. And he swore, this is what God did, that no one over the age of 20 would enter ever the land and that they would all perish in the wilderness. Man, God don't play around. I know we don't like to talk about God in that manner. I think what we all like is like God's going to do it for you. God's going to show you the favor. God loves you. Live your life the way you want, and he's still going to bless you. You came to the wrong church if that's what you're looking for. Because your life, it's, it's life or death. And I do serve a God that has a wrath. I do, I do serve a God that says enough is enough. The games are, are done. It's time to make the choice and make the right choice. He says, no one, oh, could you imagine if God was still operating like that vividly today? Or he says, oh, they don't want me in, in America? Okay. No one above the age of 20 is going to survive. Could you imagine that? No one will serve our God. We're like, we're done. We're fear. We're afraid. No, what God was saying, I'm pruning out disbelief. It's been too many years to get to this promised land. Too many people from Abraham, from Jacob. There's too many that have had to pay the price for you guys to just go. They're too big. Can't deal with this. The grapes are good, but they're too big. I can't. He says, my two exceptions, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Except for Caleb and Joshua, you shall, be, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. See, the different spirit was a spirit of faith. Faith means not looking at what is visible, but believing that God is almighty. Faith means being obedient even when we can't see the results. Faith means action. Faith gives results. God wants us to choose to believe and choose to obey. He wants us to sacrifice something. God was with Joshua and the Israelites, but they had to show that they wanted it. In the conquest of Canaan that, that, that followed the fall of Jericho, not only one city was taken without a fight, every city had to be taken with a fight. And in that same spirit of faith that Joshua and Caleb had, we fight our own battle against the sin in our nature. We must give up our own will and sinful desires. God gives us strength when we diligently seek him in faith and when we overcome all the glory goes to him see nothing is taken without a fight but when we fight there's nothing that we cannot take 
one by one the enemies will fall before us then we will do more than see the fruit of the land from distance love joy peace and all the virtues we will hold them in our grasp and taste them the promised land will be ours so if you could just bow your heads close your eyes just hold a hand to your heart I want to see expansion for my family members, my church family members, that we could be passionate about the things of God again, that we could be aggressive, unwavering, unmovable about his gospel, and sharing about his hope and his love. Father, as a society, we've, we've undergone a remarkable shift. Over the past 50 years, we've shifted from a worldview where God was at the center and the Bible formed our beliefs, values, and our behaviors to a worldview where we are at the center. God resides at the margins and almost all of life is outside of your domain. It's like we've put you, we've relegated you to, to the private spirituality of a fading minority. How do we remain undaunted, unmoved as followers of Jesus within this new reality when God has already given us the favor? Father, forgive us. This year we're believing for revival and restoration in each life that's represented in this room today Lord it's just as a symbol holding our hearts that you're able to really reveal and expose within us what we need to let go what we need to forgive what we need to move on from we need to accept we need to grasp hold of that overall we choose to have faith we choose to obey we choose you Jesus If you're in the room right now, we're, we're, we're close. We're done with the message. This message resonated with you as it did for me. I just want to make a choice and say, Lord, I just, I need that fire again. Maybe, maybe you were a follower of Jesus or you are and you just, but you feel distant. You want to be a Caleb. You want to be a Joshua. You, you've seen what God can do. The situations in life, fear has grabbed hold, rejection, your own self-neglect, whatever it may be, has caused the distance and the rift between you and the promise. I ask you, if that's you and you want to make a decision today to say, you know what, I need to give this and lay it at the feet of Jesus. 
I don't want to wander for 40 years. I don't want to wander. I want to see what you have in store for my life and my family and my future. If I'm talking to anybody today, if that's you, can you meet me here in the front? Just say, you know what? I, I'm ready to make a change. I just want to. I don't know what it looks like, but I, I just need to step out and say, you know what? I need you. Come on, if you're feeling a tug in your heart right now to say that, it's just a moment.